And I'm glad that Glad that you have such a pretty story Welcome to Refreshingly Human with Hannah Pillow. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I'm glad to have you joining us here today. I have with me um, Martha from Manchester and uh, Martha is going to be sharing her own experiences of childhood trauma. She's actually researched a lot into this topic herself and spoken to many people who have actually gone through something similar so we'll be comparing experiences and uh, I'm pretty keen to hear what Martha has to say on the topic so let's jump right in. Maybe you could tell us a little bit of when did you start researching into this topic and what made you so interested in the topic of childhood trauma? Um, so I think I was always interested in this. I just didn't know it was childhood trauma. I think um, I was 18 years old when I realized that my childhood experiences um they've not been exactly normal. <laughs> and... Um, and I guess my um, what I was experiencing wasn't exactly how typical teenager should possibly feel. Um, mm. So I think when I was eight, around 18 years old, I um, found out about um, the way how our upbringing can affect us and... Um, what it makes us almost as we as we grow up and we become adults um and i think it's only recently maybe about a couple of years ago when when i kind of put the name on it um when i started going deeper into it mm. um after i kind of came out of my denial <laughs> that lasted for a few years um so really deeply, I I started talking about it and kind of looking into it probably about two or three years ago, but it's been kind of always there um, somewhere in the back of my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting that you say it was at the age of 18 that you figured this out because I don't know, like for me, if there was a point in my life where I discover that this was childhood trauma. Um, I think that for me personally, I, I always felt that what I was going through was different mm. from what everyone else was going through. I mean, when you lose your dad at six, it's kind of like, okay, things are different now. Mm. <laughs> so you kind of realize that quite early, you're going to a therapist at six years old. Um, so things things were very different for me. But um, I think like you, I've only properly started researching into childhood trauma quite recently as well um just just because I've been dealing with the effects of it yeah. more recently because I've been in a place where I was like okay now I can deal with this yeah 
I think I always knew that um, my experiences as a child, they've been different from other people, but because um, I guess my, let's say, a trauma wasn't something, you know, like for you when your dad died, that's a quite big event. Um, for me, it was something that was happening uh, almost every single day over the period of, you know, we're talking um, around almost 20 years, really. Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's, I totally uh, get you. It's I think for me it was like, yeah, I know it's different because other kids don't go through that. But because I had no one to talk about it to, um, what was happening in my head and what was going on in my head, for me, that was... Like I just thought um, there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Well, I, I totally get you when you say there was something wrong with you because my experience became very similar to what you're saying. Like, okay, my dad died. That was the big thing that kind of made me like, okay, I'm different now. Mm -hmm. I don't have a dad. But then there was the day-to-day -day thing of having to have to deal with things that I had to deal with growing up. Um, that made me that that became my norm and that I couldn't differentiate that this was different yeah. and this was not not right and I also went to the self of thinking that something's wrong with me I need to change and this was quite later on in my life where I kind of just realized that all of these internal problems of self-blaming of blaming myself of, of saying I'm not good enough were coming from all these things that were drilled into me as a child. Yeah. And that's kind of where I would say, okay, this is childhood trauma. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't I don't know. I don't really feel very comfortable using the word childhood trauma, though, yeah. um, in my situation, because uh, I feel like when I hear other people's story, I'm like, okay, mine wasn't that bad. I kind of downplay it. Do, yeah. do you do that? Yeah, I think it's... Um, it's totally it's I, I feel totally the same about it and I think um a, the word trauma in society in general it's like um kind of it's for people who went to war right or you know people who had a car accident or you know something really big yeah. happened in their lives and uh, they experienced trauma um so I think there is, for me, um, it, it's, I don't really like to use that word, but mm. I don't really know what else to use. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like actually childhood trauma, that takes everything straight to the point. Mm -hmm. But I downplay my, you know, experiences as well. And I think it's like what I've learned um, is... It doesn't matter what happened to you or, you know, whether your situation was worse than um, the other person's situation. What matters is the way how it affected you. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? Like, for example, when I was um, like when I was in my last marriage, my first marriage, um, a lot of people would when I would like complain and say I was unhappy, a lot of people would be, oh, but so many, this person has it worse. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get into that mindset of thinking that, okay, other people have it worse. So you're yeah. still okay. But that kind of downplays what you are going through and what you are experiencing. Yeah. And what is it that you can tolerate? What is it that you want to tolerate? Yeah. 
you know it kind of like downplays everything that that that's personal to you when people kind of say like oh but other people have it worse yeah sure everyone has a different sort of worse they, yeah. I, I think they shouldn't be that standard of who has it better and who has it worse yeah i i think it's there is the whole subject of uh everyone in society comparing ourselves to you know and and especially now with social media we just go on social media and we see other people fit and we like oh my god they had their lives are so much better than mine I'm a loser exactly <laughs> I will never achieve anything and, and it goes to you know um, like you said uh, that some people have it better some people have it worse and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter and it's even like that like in my marriage as well I would I would tell people the extent of what I was going through but nobody actually knew what was under the surface yeah. so it's easy to say other people have it worse when yeah. you don't have the full story so it's just like the social media thing or it would just be going back to our childhood trauma it would be the same thing we probably would give people or people would see an on the surface level of what we went through yeah. but you won't actually know what all the other layers were so how could you compare it to anything else if you don't know yeah totally <laughs> yeah so Okay, I think we've already covered why you feel strongly about this topic or maybe we can go into that a little bit more. So, um I think for me it was You know, I have this memory when I was like maybe 6 or 7 years old and uh I was walking uh back from school. Mm-hmm. Uh I was walking back home and and i just i was 6 or 7 i was a small kid and i was just thinking to myself i wonder what's happening at home i wonder mm. if and and i'm pretty sure that at some point i i feared that my mom is going to be dead okay so that that sounds really dramatic no i but, get it um i guess for me it's this is why i'm so passionate about it because if i can help someone to heal their trauma that means they will the the cycle will stop mm. and they will not pass it on to the next generation so just before we go any more so i i know your situation but just for the listeners would you like to say a little bit more about what your situation is what made you think that your mother would have been Um so basically my uh my mom was physically and mentally abused by um uh, my stepdad first my dad then my stepdad uh-huh. um and you just I just never knew <laughs> I just never knew uh you know um what's going to happen and when you're like six mm-hmm. or seven um mm-hmm. you 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 can't you know understand what's happening absolutely i mean that is a huge thing for a 6 or 7 year old to feel yeah. and and the sad thing is that i know other people had similar experiences yeah, absolutely and, and it's just for me now as an adult um it really breaks my heart it really breaks my heart and mm. it, and it's it's just really it's just really sad <laughs> you know you're saying that and i i totally get what you mean um 
I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. It's like when you go through something huge in your childhood, you don't realize that you have, from a young age, you have been parenting yourself yeah. and you have been protecting yourself. So there's this protective instinct in you that is so strong when you become an adult. And it's not just for you. It's for every other child out there who's going yeah. through the same thing. And it's like, for me, when I, something, okay, not something a bit more superficial, but when I, on TV, when I see a child losing their dad on TV, yeah. no matter who or what I'm watching, I cry. Yeah. It just takes me back. Yeah. And I just, I just feel it yeah. with all the feelings. So that, that, that instinct just comes back to you, you know? You want to be there for each and every child, but you, but you you can't really, can you? Um, you can't. I we obviously we can't be there for um you know everyone out there, but um I believe that by having those feelings of compassion mm-hmm. and love, we can have it for ourselves mm-hmm. and for our own inner child. Oh yes, because there was no one. Well, for me anyway, there wasn't really anyone who would actually say to me you know it's okay oh yeah um or it's going to be okay at least now I can you know I can actually be loving and compassionate to my inner child Mm. yeah I totally get that that's actually something that I discovered quite recently in therapy (laughs) um it was it was like a really big revealing moment for myself to realize that these things I was feeling inside me was this huge protectiveness for the six-year-old girl who yeah. lost her dad. And that those were feelings I've been conflicting with my whole life because I couldn't place what it was. Yeah. And once you discover what it is, it really changes a lot about the way you deal with yourself, yeah. first of all. And once you can deal with yourself, I think you can have that capability to be there for other people as well. Yeah. But it starts with your house (laughs) your Um, body yeah I think reconnecting with that uh, child within you um is a massive step in like healing journey or it has Mm. been for me in a way absolutely for me too it just changes so much and um it I think it helps uh to accept Mm. who you are Mm. oh yeah yeah, I mean, definitely, because I, I find that I'm someone who has a very, um, very strong personality, yeah. um, very independent, very strong, and I would say maybe sometimes a bit selfish, but those are my protective instincts coming yeah. out. If it's selfish, it's because I feel I need to protect myself from yeah. something, you know, so, and then when you realize where this all stems from, like you said, you can accept that it's kind of like a survival instinct sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's a survival <laughs> mechanism. It uh, is. For sure, but, you know, I think it's, um, there is a lot about, obviously, I, it was the case for me in a way where um, I grew up and um, I was a young adult and I kind of, um, I knew of those traits that I have um, and quite a lot of them were negative. Oh, but, okay, would you say they were negative? Well, that that's what I was, you know, um, it's only when I kind of looked into it more and I was like further in my journey, I realized that actually um, they're not all negative. 
you know, obviously we need to be real and be honest <laughs> with ourselves and, you know, and be able to accept that we we all have, you know, shortcomings and we're not all yeah, perfect. Of course. But uh, a lot of the trades, they helped us to survive mm. and they created um, us now as adults mm. and we can use them, uh, you know, in a different, um, you know, in a job or whatever yeah. else. Um, and I think it's about being, maybe changing the way of, because, you know, you say you, you think you may be a bit selfish, but we could use the word that you just take care of yourself. Yeah, self-care. And you, and, and you, and you have boundaries. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it, words have a really strong power. Mm. And each word for, you know, will have a different meaning. Because mm. selfish could mean slightly different thing for me than it does for you absolutely um and i think it's really important to realize that um yeah obviously we'll have the shortcomings but we'll have a lot that we can take from our experiences mm. yeah i totally i totally get what you mean i mean yeah like when you say that you had those negative feelings thought of your, your negative person traits growing up it, it takes me back there as well because I think it wasn't just that I thought that those traits were negative it's also that the people around me were telling me that as well yeah. so it was like oh you too stubborn you too selfish you too um too moody yeah. and all these words are kind of thrown at you and you kind of think that okay something's wrong with me yeah. as a person um for me it was kind of a different journey maybe it was similar but my journey was kind of in realizing as you said that we are all human and we all have our good traits and our not so good traits yeah. so even the people who are feeding me this it's not exactly like they were perfect human beings as well yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know so you kind of you go through that process of realizing and then you kind of go through that process of getting to okay not all of these traits are bad yeah <laughs> you know exactly. i do have good traits as well although I think like one of the things that my my I'll say childhood trauma kind of stuck with me is the inability to accept my good traits like I think I've gotten to the point where I don't think negatively about myself but I haven't gotten to the point where I think positively about myself either I'm kind of in a neutral zone right now yeah. <laughs> And you know what? I I just look at uh, everything that we do is a is a journey and yeah. it's it's a practice. Yeah. It's I don't believe we will ever get to the point where we're going to be like, okay, I'm fine now, everything yeah. is great, I'm healed. I I've just like you know got rid of all of my negative <laughs> traits. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, it's a practice, yeah. and one day you will. Um, you will love yourself more and you will tolerate yeah. yourself more and one day um, it will be a little bit less yeah. and it's fine. But as long as you're aware of this, that's fine, you know? It's it's a practice. Yeah, it's not linear, is it? It's yeah. kind of like with my weight loss journey. <laughs> it's not a linear thing, you know? One day you'll be up, one day you'll be down. Exactly. It's kind of what I was telling one of my friends. It's like she's been going through a bad patch, so I was just kind of telling her that we we have this expectation in ourselves that we need to be 100% okay but what is 100% okay you know we've got this image of what things are supposed to be yeah and that's not really realistic 
you know, we're gonna have good days, we're gonna have bad days. There's no should in what yeah. we feel, what we feeling. You know, we just feel what we feel. Yeah. Well, that kind of you know takes uh, takes for me takes me back to what we were talking about comparing ourselves with other people because, like you said, how do you know what's the hundred percent? You will only know by comparing, you know, your experience maybe to someone else's experience. Yeah. So, you know, how do you know what's, what's 100% for you? Because you may think, oh, well, this person has it all. Right. So they must, th- 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 that must be their 100%. So that means when I get there, um, I will be then 100%. Well, that's kind of what I was, I was talking to my friend about as well, is we were kind of talking about where this, where I should be thing comes from. Yeah. And it's a lot of external things that tell us what oh, we yeah. should be. I hate that word should. Exactly. I hate it. And basically every time I uh, catch myself using that word, um, when I catch myself, um, I stop and I ask myself, but says who? Says who? <laughs> what, what, where is this should coming from? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, when it's sometimes I go through situations in life and I uh, say to my friend, I feel I should feel this. Mm. Um, you know, it's when, for example, when um, when I uh, split up from my a partner and, and, I, and there was this whole kind of, I should feel really sad, but I knew it was the right decision to make. Mm. But there was, I should feel really sad. But you but didn't. I did on some level, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like this, um, as if like a, a tragedy happened. <laughs> tragedy, it yeah. was my, it was my decision, and and I was like, I should feel all this, like all these really bad feelings, mm. and you know, I should feel really sad. What did you feel? Um. It's going to sound really terrible, but on some level, I felt relieved because I knew it was the right thing to do. See, I I was waiting for that word because when I got divorced, that was what I felt. I felt relieved. I felt felt free. I felt liberated. And, And, you know, for me, it didn't mean that I didn't have feelings for this person. Um, But it meant that the relationship wasn't um, right. You know, mm-hmm. but there was this whole kind of um, because I didn't, you know, go to work and cry, mm-hmm. uh, and there was this whole self judgment coming in of um, they what they going to think about me because oh, yeah. I don't cry and I'm not sad. I should feel <laughs> sad, and it's like, but says who? Says who? And again, it's all this expectations and comparisons of you know, what the society tells us. Exactly. So um, my kind of motto in life is to just uh, ditch the shoots and just feel into yourself and see uh, what it is uh, that you're really feeling and that Mm. you really want to do. Yeah, it's what do you want, right? It's it's not what what should be, but what do you want? What do you really want? And I think sometimes we confuse the two. Yeah. Because we think that this is where we should be in life, but okay, maybe, or like you said, says who? Yeah. But what is it that you actually want right now? Yeah. Is it the same as what you think you should be? (laughs) I think 
more often than not, it's not the same. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to like people who have been through childhood trauma, have you spoken to many people about this, about trauma or about their experiences? Um. So I, I spoke to quite few. Mm-hmm. Um. So I've uh, I've had few sessions of a uh, support group uh, with um, with other women where mm-hmm. I got to kind of hear their experiences and and obviously I have some friends who experienced uh, childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So um, it seems that we all have we 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 all going through the same thing, more yeah. or less. And um, especially as adults as well, um, we all kind of seem to have uh, very similar problems, let's say. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the first question you get asked in therapy, isn't it? Tell me about your childhood. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, um, it really annoys me because it's like this, uh, it's some people almost, um, some people are, don't, people don't take it seriously. So some people, you know, in a way that there are people out there who basically think that it's all just, um, you know, bullshit. Right. Like basically. some sort of psychological. Yeah. That, you know, it's all, it's what, what the shrink asks you. And, yeah. And, and, and it really, uh, and it's usually people with problems <laughs> that say it because obviously I do, they probably not in the point where, where actually they can see yeah, um, denial, denial, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you're growing up listening to to uh, certain messages, mm. seeing certain things. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just makes sense, logical sense, that mm-hmm. it will affect you. Absolutely. I mean, even if you grow up in a perfect home and um, you had a perfect childhood. Those things also affect you later in life. If you have, there is no perfect. Uh, there, oh, you know. okay. There is no perfect. <laughs> True. Again, that's another word that's thrown out there. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if yeah. you know, there would still be things that would affect you as an yeah. adult. That if you are in that state of denial, you wouldn't be able to say that. Okay, I'm doing this because of something I was told growing up. Yeah. You know, because you thought yeah. everything was quotation marks perfect. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> When we uh, children, our brains are so kind of open to all of the messages that sometimes it doesn't even have to be what we hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be literally a one situation that if, if you know, you could have otherwise, let's a quotation mark, perfect childhood. But there could be, uh, you know, literally one situation um when, you know, maybe your parent um, has been tired mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, didn't have the time or energy to give you the attention. And that could leave you with the message that I'm not good enough. You know, maybe my mom or my dad don't, does, they don't love me because I'm not good enough. Mm. So. And that could lead to perfectionism. Exactly. Something. So, you know, I think, um, there, for me, there should be um, we, we there should be like a shift in perspective of how mm-hmm. we look at it. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be something that only um, people coming from you know dysfunctional families work on, mm-hmm. because we all our mindset as adults it all is formed when we are children. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I would say that there should be like a reflective stage in our life where we yeah. can look back and assess things that and I, I think this is a good shift for people to go into and to be able to look at things from a helicopter view mm-hmm. after it's over and kind of look at your own traits and where they're coming from. Where's your good traits coming from? Where's your not so good traits coming from? And understanding these things about yourself kind of helps you realize how to go forward as an adult. Yeah, I think um, for me, the main thing that we all need more of is to be mindful. Yeah. And have uh, more awareness of what's going on within us. Mm-hmm. Because we just run on autopilot. Oh, yeah. We just run on autopilot and um, it's so easy. Yeah. And if you can, if you have this um, self awareness, Mm -hmm. you can catch yourself um, reacting to, uh, you know, to different situations Mm -hmm. in certain ways. You know, like for me, it's so important to, to be, like you say, to be mindful, to be reflective, because I've actually, like, seen it firsthand coming from a generation that does not is not accountable for themselves Mm. and coming to the next generation that seems to be a bit more accountable and like whereas like personally myself I can look at things that I've done I can reflect on things I can be mindful I can you know assess myself whereas the generation before me in in my specific culture I see where people will have like short tempers they'll have like um narcissistic tendencies but they wouldn't be able to be accountable for it and they'll be living in a complete denial of it till a very old age so it affects them not it just doesn't not only affect the people around them but it's affecting them and they're not even aware of the level that it's affecting them because they're not accountable so that shift from being mindfulness and reflectful and um accountable to not, I, I've actually seen what a big difference that makes. Yeah, I think um, I think the shift is happening. Yeah, because more and more people um, become more aware and they become more interested in mindfulness, mm-hmm. and um, it really annoys me as well that it's almost like trendy. Um, well, no. Um, so again, there are some people, you know, because I would call myself a spiritual person. Um, some people would call me a hippie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it really annoys me that there is this whole kind of, you know, uh, that the hippies or the spiritual mm. people are ob- almost like an object of, uh, yeah, you know, or we laugh at them because mm. um, whatever reason, you know, um, but these are the people who are actually mindful and away. Mm, not yeah. always and not all of them, obviously. Yeah. But the people I've met, these are the people mm-hmm. who actually have, you know, they, they, they like, yeah, I can sometimes do things wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm willing to look at it. Yeah, and, and this is like what you say because of the stigma that is on people who are mindful um, or spiritual this is one of the reasons I don't like labels for yeah. myself is because of all the stigmas that come with all the labels. For yeah. example, atheist has a huge stigma to it. So I avoid that label. Um, spiritual also has a huge stigma to yeah. it. So it's like as soon as you put a label on yourself, people kind of put you in a box again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's 
something I've been trying to break all those boxes that people are putting me in yeah, you know and be like just get to know me as a person yeah, I, I've kind of stopped um I've stopped kind of you know um it's it's one of these things when you meet new people and uh, they ask you questions so tell me a bit more about you and it's like oh well how do I describe myself so you don't make assumptions based on how I des- describe exactly. myself exactly like but one one example was when I just was in Turkey one of my roommates uh he was a religious guy I won't say what religion but the, the first one of the first things he said to me is um he asked me do you believe in God and I was like no, but I, I, was, I was also taken off, like, very taken aback by that yeah. question because it's like, you just met me. Yeah. And this is the first thing you're asking me. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of like taken aback. I didn't know how to answer him. And like, in, you know, when you reflect, you're like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, you're kind of like a deer caught in the headlight and like, no. <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's it's um I'm just like I said I'm, I'm trying to kind of uh, it's almost like um creating some kind of dating profile you know when you try <laughs> to use the perfect word so yeah and I mean even that uh, as a weirdo <laughs> yeah I mean even that question do you believe in God for me it's such a complex question because for me there's no yes or no answer to that question personally so if you're going to ask me that as soon as you met me you're kind of like forcing me to give you a definitive answer which I can't you know um and I'm not gonna go into what I actually think with someone I just met yeah (laughs) you know well, that could go two ways, you know. It could go either really well or really bad. And I was assuming with him it would have went really badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Anyways, um, so, yeah, so we were talking about the people who went to trauma and how they all have a, a lot of things in common. Mm. Um, what do you think would be things that people have in common Wow. Uh, <laughs> I know it's such a big uh, question. That, that could be a long list. <laughs> um, so we judge ourselves very harshly. Oh, God. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> That's like right on the top of the list. Right at the top. It's like later on in life, I realized that I have become an annoying perfectionist yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I hold myself to standards that I do not hold anyone else to. <laughs> that are not achievable. And they're not no, achievable. No, no one would be able to achieve And then I kick myself for not reaching those standards. Yeah. 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 Um, another one that's a really big one. Um, we tend to keep ourselves very, very busy. Oh my god, yes. So let's not have any time out, any time off, just have the calendar filled in full. Look at my calendar. Uh, yeah, but basically <laughs> you don't rest. Mm-hmm. Um you just you just go, go, go all the time and then you get to yeah. the point where you just burn out. Burn out. Burn out, exhaustion. Um yeah, yeah absolutely. Um yeah, I think that that whole thing of keeping yourself busy is so that you don't have time to think. Yeah, well, uh, that's something I um, I had a conversation about uh, with uh, some people last night, and um, and I guess that's kind of another uh, thing on the list is that 
we feel lonely uh, quite mm-hmm. often. So, and that kind of leads to the, um, we, we keep ourselves busy because we don't like our own company. Uh, so yeah, I, maybe we don't accept ourselves. Yeah. I think that was me when I was younger. Yeah. But I kind of progressed to the point where I do love my own company. But yeah. for me, I do have a major fear of missing out. Yeah. That as well. <laughs> well, um, I kind of turned the uh, completely other way around now because. I love my company so much. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm working towards. So now I'm working towards actively saying no to things so that I can miss out on things yeah. and realize it's okay. <laughs> well, no, for me, it's all the way around in a way that I just like my own company so much that I find myself sometimes not seeing people at all because so it, it can be I go through the phases so there is no balance okay uh, there is you know either um, something going on every single day mm. of the week or there is nothing going on mm. and I think yeah this kind of whole subject of um, this lack of balance in life mm. I think that uh, that um, came up for some people as well Um, because for me, in a way, it was the case of uh, that involved a lot of um, a drama in my life, emotional drama, which I created. What do you mean? You um, so that that kind of leads into this, you know, as well into this having self-awareness for, you know, we if we don't have the awareness of what's going on for us, yeah. uh, we just react to um so situations to people mm. and okay. we subconsciously can create a drama in a way that perhaps we um, unnecessary perhaps we you know we we go out with the person that we know we shouldn't be going out with okay or we just get involved with things with like gossip <laughs> and uh, you know those kind of situations and they create for me in a way that was the case that it would create this whole kind of high that I had in my childhood uh, because oh there God. was the trash yes. you know the my brain was just used to the drama and yes. the tension and the stress so you're saying that and I'm just know. like I thrive on other people's drama <laughs> actually it's not my own <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because actually, I love the fact that my life is peaceful. And yeah. knock on wood, my life is peaceful. And I live a really great life now. Yeah. But when I hear other people's drama, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> well, I'm Details. <laughs> you see, I, I get that sometimes. But I think for me, that's just being nosy. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it really does create that high for me, too. Yeah. Because I do come from that background yeah. where there was always drama. Oh, and now there's no drama in my yeah. life. Well, you see, that kind of makes me wonder, because uh, you said your life is peaceful now, but how was it in the past? It was no, never peaceful. My, so, my life, my, like I said, I had constant drama yeah. in my life before. Um, uh, that I mean, after you, let's say, you left your um, family home. Yeah. So you see, that's, that's what I'm... There is a lot of things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, Because we make decisions almost subconsciously. Mm. We choose wrong partners. We choose wrong <laughs> husbands. <laughs> yeah. Because, there, you know, we, we are not aware of it because it's our subconscious mind seeing those small kind of, you know, um, 
flashing lights but we choose to maybe ignore yeah. those lights i mean for me as well like sometimes it was also like choosing the lesser of two evils mm-hmm. um because like for me when i got my when i got married the first time it was like i just needed to leave my home yeah. and i was 18 years old and i had i could have went off to college but it would have been a lot more difficult for me to do that because of the situation i was yeah. in uh, and I was not like a really great academic who was yeah. like being given all these bursaries or anything. It just would have been really impossible, not impossible, but really, really difficult to do. So the easiest and the fastest way to get away was to get married. And I hear you because I almost got married when I was 19. There you go. <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, you know, we, I call it uh, a drama. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's, we, we make those decisions. Yeah. It was a fascinating um, drama for me because I was married for seven years into a really different culture. And I always look back at it so fondly because I learned so much yeah. about a different culture. And uh, I think drama is a good word for it. But for me, it was like really interesting drama. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I like the word the drama, you see. So um, it's not well, it's not always very uh, fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, it's 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 the way how our brain got used to um, what what's the threshold for us of getting bored. You know, I get bored really easily. So yeah, for me, me I, I, I needed always something happening and, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm okay with mm. nothing happening. And, and mm. in fact, I'm, I'm just sick of this drama. Like I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm moving away from this yeah. drama as much as I can. But yeah. um, that seems to be... Um, I think on a nice. personal level, I'm, I'm at the same point as you where I'm moving away from personal drama, yeah. but I do try, thrive on other people's drama. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't hurt anyone, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, um, yeah like, like you said, our life goes through so many stages. So for me, it was like drama, 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 drama at home, at my mom's house, um... When I left my mom's house to get married, seven years of amazing drama. Mm. <laughs> and then I got divorced and there was even more drama after that. And then when I finally left the country, um, things started to settle down for me and there was less drama in my personal life Yeah. once I left that, that whole environment. Yeah, and um, I just kind of want to say that um, because... I think maybe uh, it can come across a little bit like judgmental in some way that, you know, um, we like this drama and, <laughs> um, but actually it's natural. It's, it's, um, I just kind of wanted to yeah. <laughs> repeat that, that it is actually, um, trauma changes the brain. Yeah. It it's a high level of brain. activity, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. like just, yeah, that higher level of activity. And that's it for me because my life now is so, quotation marks normal yeah um it's it's so peaceful you know it's like um I've got a job I've got and I do sometimes grow bored with it because I feel like it's just too normal yeah (laughs) you know and I do get bored with it and I'm always looking for things to make it more exciting yeah well you are aware of this I am so you know there are a lot of people who will go from one relationship to another they will uh you know um start maybe gambling or shopping mm. because it gives you this uh, you know rush of adrenaline mm. and it gives you this high mm. 
So what I did was I started a podcast. <laughs> you know, it's um, I I think we kind of on the similar places in life where mm-hmm. where we got to the point where we 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 see what's happening mm-hmm. and what happened. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I I really like to be so mindful, and I think it's like for me because I see. Like I said, I see what other people went through. Yeah. So it's like always being like, I don't want to re- history to repeat itself with me. Mm. And it's got to stop with me. And I've got to make those changes. So I want to be a mom one day. And I want to be a different sort of mom. Yeah. You know, I want the change to be from me. Yeah. So I have to reflect on how how is that change going to come about. Yeah. You know, you can't change other people, but you can change yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what about turning points in your life? So, like, was there, like, I think it's really hard to to put a pinpoint on this, but was there, like, a point in your life where you felt like you were making these changes or you were ready to make these changes, or was it a gradual process for you? Um, There was definitely some points. So I think um, the first one when I was around 18 and I started searching online Mm -hmm. for um, basically what it is that I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and kind of I started to connect the dots. What were you feeling? Um, I was very depressed. Mm -hmm. I had suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to get married at the age of 19 it's like come on like mm-hmm. you know I just wanted to run away but mm-hmm. that's just uh, me being uh, that's I mean I got um, married at 18 yeah so it's I um, get you it was just really really miserable time mm-hmm. and um, and there were small things now um and to be honest, I can't remember all of them now because mm. they're not here anymore, <laughs> like mm. not in my head anymore. Mm. But um, w- what happened, I found out about this um, 12 Steps Fellowship uh, for Adult Children of Alcoholics. Oh. And they uh, they have a list, I think, of 12 traits um, for children who grew up in dysfunctional families. So where did you find this? Can you just find this online? Yeah, yeah. If you just search for adult children of alcoholics, I think now it's called adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, it stemmed from um, AA, Anonymous Al- yeah. Alcoholics. Yeah. Um, so it's 12 Steps Fellowship and um, I think... I can't remember his first name was Tony. I think he uh, he created it. I think in like nineteen eighty nine um, in America in New York, if I remember rightly. Um, and there was a trade a list of twelve trades, and um, I can't remember all of them now. But one of them was that we lie when we could tell the truth. Um. For example. Uh, and and some others. Um, I used when, to do that, but I'm not. I'm not yeah. a kid of alcoholism. But well, uh, it, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you like you know like we were chatting before. <laughs> the it doesn't matter 
what the dysfunction was, whether mm. it was alcoholism, whether it was mental health illness of the parents or caregivers, mm. the dynamics are going to be the same. Mm. And ch- the child will most likely ca- ca- come out with the same kind of traits. Mm. It honestly doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be alcoholism <coughs> because the dynamics within the family unit are just unhealthy. Mm. Um, but when I read that list, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not, like, I'm not weird. You're not broken. Yeah, like, there are other people who feel this the same yeah. way. And um, one of them as well, I think that was quite big for me, was that, um, and I still struggle with that sometimes, it's almost like I just don't know how to be adult. Mm. I just don't know what's the right thing to do. Mm. So quite often I need to ask my friend of, is this normal? Because <laughs> I don't know if this is normal. So can yeah. you please tell me? Yeah. And obviously her normal could be different, different from mine. Yeah. But most likely she she will be able to give me some kind of, you know... Context, uh, yeah. yeah. And so that was um, when I was around 18 and... Do, do you feel, like, I often feel like when I'm feeling something, I feel like I'm over-exaggerating it? Um, and that's why I need to go yeah. and ask people, like, am I over-exaggerating this? Am I am I right to feel this way? Yeah, um, I think so. I think it, it's, yeah. um, it's just this whole kind of questioning of... Um, not Like you said, not knowing what is, quotation marks, normal yeah, to feel. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's because you know our reality was just so um, different from normal. Yeah, you know we didn't have this um, adult person to mm. show us what normal is, mm. oh. and especially especially uh, with love. Our point of reference was very different. Yeah, yeah, um, and then. And then I kind of, because I come from a quite small town, there wasn't really much help available. So mm. I've spent some time, I think, on like online forums for um, adult children, but they tend to be quite um, a lot of, there are a lot of people with really deep mental health problems. Mm. Um, so it's not always really good place to be in because... Yeah you can feel quite depressed and there are other yeah. people who are depressed as well. But, yeah. um, I've been on forums as well. Yeah. I get what you mean. It's um, you have to, you have to be in a very good place to be able to go on those forums because yeah. yeah. it can really drag you down. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of went through the phase of uh, denial for a few years. So um, at the age of 22, I moved uh, to Manchester and then it, I was like, oh, well, I'm like miles away now. Mm. Um, I'm not with that person anymore who mm-hmm. was abusing me mm-hmm. and my mom. I'm safe now. I'm, I'm great. I just need to find the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who will fix me and make me happy and uh, who will finally love me. Um, and I just went on the journey of trying to find my perfect mo- man. And that was a lot of drama. (laughs) Um, And I think my main issue was that I had no confidence at all. Mm. So I was um, 
and I had like, I would always allow life to happen to me. I wasn't taking conscious decisions very much of what I wanted to do or what I wanted to happen. Life was happening to me. And for, I think it was when I was about 25, 26, um, I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I think I came out of denial a little bit. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, things need to change because I'm not I'm not fine. Uh, I wasn't fine. And I had like, I, I didn't have like a full on depression, but it was um, kind of like um, periods of depression and mm. anxiety. And for me, the biggest issue I struggled with was uh, loneliness. Okay. I, found lo- I felt lonely all the time. Right. Even, and it didn't matter if I was in a relationship with someone yeah. or not. Um, it would take me to really dark places. Yeah. So that's where I started to keep myself really busy because being on my own on Saturday night, that's where it would kick in and it was really scary. Mm. Um, And then I went, um, I had some therapy, I think about six months and that helped a little bit, but I kind of carried on just with my life. Mm. And I think things really shifted. Um, wow, it will be nearly three years ago, end of 2016. It was December uh, 2016 where um, randomly I just found a, a book on Amazon that just came up on my feed and I read the book and it kind of changed my life. What book was it? <laughs> it was The Universe Has Your Back. Okay, that's a, that's a good book to yeah. just pop up on Amazon. I know, I know. And, and to be honest, um, so I know how obviously the uh, you, the uh, Amazon and the kind of those websites work. They kind of yeah. give you, they, uh, they suggest uh, yeah. to, to you things that you've previously kind of looked into. But, um, but they're I, not always I, great. Yeah, they're not always great. Um, and, and I was kind of, uh, it's, it's really interesting because um, around, like, not at that time, but kind of before, a um, few years before that, I was uh, introduced to law of attraction and mm-hmm. to kind of idea of the universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was, um, I didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I believed in nothing. Mm-hmm. I was very much God doesn't exist because I was very religious when I was a teenager and God didn't help me then. Mm. I was like, well, God is just a lie. And I didn't believe in anything, but I was kind of introduced to the law of attraction. And then that book came up. Mm. And, and you know, for me, it's just people will say, oh, it's coincidence, but it wasn't for me. Mm. Because that book came up for me at the perfect time when I was actually ready to read it yeah that's so true that's that is it isn't it like if you're not ready to receive it yeah it wouldn't have made a difference exactly uh, you know I was at the point where I really needed things to change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 it's and it just and they changed and and without me even doing mm-hmm. things they, that's it it just it? happened yeah, but that's it. Like, I think when you're open to it, when you're yeah. ready and you reach that point where you open to the changes, mm. you don't really have to do much no. to get things going. And uh, the right people came into my yeah. life. And, you know, I, at that point, 
It was end of 2016. At that point, I was in Manchester for six years. I hardly knew any people because mm-hmm. of my kind of like social anxiety I had. And in the past three years, I met really just so many beautiful people in mm-hmm. Manchester and and not only in Manchester. And it's like, it's just been crazy, really. Yeah, I totally got you. Um, yeah, that, that journey is... Um, I went through similar stages in my journey as well. Um, maybe different timelines. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, the timelines would be different. Yeah. But the stages were very similar. Um, so for me, my breaking point was in my first marriage. Um, so I was married for seven years. But it was within three years. Well, I could honestly say it was within the first year I knew I made a mistake. Mm. <laughs> but I, I kept it going for like three years it was okay by the third year it was like falling apart and then the breaking point came I think it was in the last year of my marriage where I got to this point where I didn't recognize who I was and I kind of felt uncomfortable in my skin Mm -hmm. and I would like kind of like that movie moment where you look in the mirror and you're like this is not me this is not who I want to be. And I think at that point, I was, I was an angry person. I was, I always say I was the worst possible version of myself I could ever be. And I think it's good to reach that point when you're that young, though, because <laughs> you can, you can turn things around, you know? So yeah, I, I was just a really, really nasty person to everyone yeah. around me. And I think for me, what, really helped is that I realized that yeah and I was not comfortable with it and I think that I think I should remember that now because I should remember that I'm not capable of being that person because I was not comfortable in it and that was kind of like a changing point for me where I realized that I had to start making some changes in my life and as you said if you're not ready to make those changes things don't happen yeah or they happen and you ignore really like hard way and it just nothing goes how you would like the things to go exactly because I reached that point and shortly after that I met my now husband Mm. (laughs) we met very randomly online as well um it wasn't like a dating website or anything it was like really random and that's when we met and we started chatting and that was one of the first things that changed things around for me because I realized with him talking to this anonymous person online the person that I was was actually who I wanted to be and I wasn't being that way with the people I was interacting with in my life so that was like one changing moment for me Um, but like you it was a long journey from there to where I am now (laughs) and there were several stages so I also moved away to Turkey And I did the same thing that you did. I was like, okay, I'm away. I'm away from um, my environment, away from the person who was causing me a lot of problems. I was like, denial, denial, denial. Same thing happened to me. I reached that point again where I was like, no, this depression keeps creeping back in. I'm feeling unhappy. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling very similar to what you said. And um, I started therapy again as well. But I think the the, I, I got through Turkey kind of 
I would say winging it, yeah. <laughs> not really facing anything while I was there. Um, another definitive moment is when I lived on a farm in Turkey. Oh, loved this playing it loose. It was two weeks, <laughs> but I was basically living on the farm. <laughs> um, yeah, we kind of like it was a work away thing, so we were we were working on the farm, and um, yeah, which was. But something very different for me because I'm a much, very much a city girl. And so we were doing like um, all this intense hard labor on the farm. And just that being away from everyday life and being so immersed in nature kind of got me to take that step back that I needed to take and view everything from above and be able to see how everything in my life led me to where I was at that moment. Yeah. You know, and like you say, like people would say coincidence, but for me, that wasn't a coincidence. And that's kind of where my mind kind of just opened up to a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah. I think being in nature in general um, is really helpful. Yeah. Because there is just, the, there is no noise. There's no noise, exactly. And that's why, like, where I live now is I can just look out my window and enjoy yeah. this nature. And, like, my husband and I are looking to, to move now as well. And I'm having a bit of a hard time with it because I need to be near nature. I can't just move to a place that's too concrete. I know it's going to depress me in the long run. Mm. And I need to be around nature to always be connected to yeah. myself. Uh, so, yeah, nature is really important. Um, but when I came back to the UK, I had to, I think moving causes a disturbance in your progress a lot because moving itself from country to country is a huge deal. Yeah, it's a, uh, a lot of stress. It's a lot of stress and it's it's it kind of restarts everything because you have to readapt to a new place, to a new environment. you got to make a new community yeah. for yourself. Yeah. So it's all of that, plus all the baggage you're bringing with you. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the case for me because, um, and it was actually quite, um, it was a reason for uh, a lot of judgment. Uh, like I was judging myself mm -hmm. quite a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm 31 and I don't have a career. Mm -hmm. I don't own a house, mm -hmm. not that I want to. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, I don't have all these things that a lot of people I see have. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, like you said, I've completely reset my life at the age of 22. There you go. Um, but the self-judgment kind of still, you know, yeah. uh, comes back. Yeah. And Our um, timeline's different. And, and, but it's, you know, it's difficult, uh, mm -hmm. especially... Um, you know, living in a society that says uh, you go to university, you buy a house and you get married, mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult because, you know, um, I don't have any of that. And it's mm -hmm. like, again, just kind of comp comparing yourself to other people. Um, oh, yeah, it, it, it is just like totally resetting everything mm -hmm. and... Um, I, did, I, I knew um, English back then, but I didn't have the confidence to speak at mm -hmm. all. So, and getting used to the accent and everything. 
That's another struggle. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it took me years to get to the point where I was confident to apply mm. for, a, you know, a job that wasn't in a warehouse. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a bigger struggle you had than, than I did. Well, I, I had I had a bit of that struggle in Turkey because I don't speak Turkish, yeah. but it wasn't really, I think like when you know English, you kind of, you can in a, you're in a superior <laughs> position, I think. Yeah. <laughs> because you because English is a universally a universally yeah. spoken language so even when I was living in Turkey uh, a lot of people could speak English even if it was just a basic English the amount of Turkish I learned was like a handful of Turkish just to get around mm-hmm. and that was enough because so many people could speak English but that that's yeah that would have been a big barrier to get through to moving to a new country I know at the end of living in Turkey the last two years Um, I, I remember there was this day I was so tired. I was so stressed out. And I was just having a crappy day. And I just wanted a cup of coffee. But the person didn't speak English. <laughs> and I could order it in coffee. But my mind was... I could order it in Turkish. But my mind yeah. was so tired at that point. I was like, please, just give me a coffee. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, I think that's like universe uh, having a lafatude. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so I think one more thing we can just cover is um, there's a lot of things that affect us with growing up from well growing up with childhood trauma. Um, so I think we already covered a lot of the effects, but is there things that you still experience today that you are still working through? Um. I mean, I'm sure they are. Yeah, well, you see, <laughs> there is kind of this part of me that wants to say, oh, no, everything is perfect now. <laughs> and um, I feel really happy. And um, and don't get me wrong. Um, I think I worked through quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. but I am quite aware and mindful. Mm-hmm. And the the whole the the whole idea of actually um, feeling this that everything is okay that uh, on the other hand gives me a little bit of anxiety because mm-hmm. there is this whole waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah because surely things cannot stay this good um, forever. Um, and, you know, and I have a different kind of attitude towards even a hardship because even if I, even if something happens and I will be going through some kind of hardship, mm-hmm. then I, I know that it's there for me to learn and mm-hmm. to grow. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at things that they, they happen to me, they happen for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, so big part of my journey was, um, you know, um, relationships and you know like I said before I was looking for the man to fix me and for the man to give me love and make me whole and all this Mm -hmm. because I didn't love myself and I didn't have um, this compassion I didn't feel enough Mm -hmm. so there are small things that you know still affect me of course and um, I think at the moment, being single again. I think that's at the moment for me kind of the biggest, um, 
I want to say classroom. Yeah. Because, you know, going back to dating and kind of being more mindful, looking at the patterns Mm. that could emerge. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, there are days where I just don't feel okay. Mm. But um, I I actually feel really, really good. Yeah, overall, yeah. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying because I do too. Um I I have periods, I, I won't lie, I have periods where I am really not doing okay. Yeah. But in those periods I feel I'm more equipped now to handle those times and to get through them and I and the thing is now whenever I get through a patch, I look back on it and I reflect what was my process? What how did I get through this? And and every time that happens, I learn something new yeah. about myself. And it makes the next time a little bit easier. But I think that's it. It's like, you know, it's not always about the situation, but it's about our perspective mm-hmm. and our attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, 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 there are times where or situations that um, I don't like, I struggle with, mm-hmm. but I have a completely different perspective on, on those situations. So they don't feel so dramatic to me anymore. Yeah. They don't feel like a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't get out of it. Exactly. You know, and um, I'm kind of looking back uh, on my life. I think we, I I think we, you know, the, I don't think there is, life isn't linear, like you said. Mm -hmm. I don't think life is working in the way that there is always going to be something to work through. Mm. I think we, 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 you know, we, we grow a little bit. We get to the point where we read it. Mm. And I worked through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we just kind of get on with life and life mm. is there to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, life is not there we for us that. to struggle. Exactly. Life is not there for us to just, uh, you know, go through therapy all the time mm. and, struggle and think of what's wrong and 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 you know and I don't want to get to that point where I'm like okay so what is wrong with my life now what can mm. I fix now yeah I'm, I'm just going to you know I'm just going to enjoy my life yeah and when I'm ready and and I'm sure you know something will happen at some point or maybe I'll get to the point where I will uncover another layer of you know there are mm. things that I haven't Uh, forgiven you know I haven't forgiven my dad Mm. so there are things that you know still kind of are there but Mm. that forgiveness is hard though I mean it took it took me a while the thing is for me when it came to forgiveness I had to understand what forgiveness meant yeah because I think it's very important to remember that forgiveness is not saying that what happened was okay. Yeah, and it's not forgetting. And it's not forgetting. You know, that that's not what forgiveness is, and that's where I had to come to terms with it, that if I'm going to be forgiving, it's not that I'm saying this was okay. Yeah. You know, that was the biggest struggle I had with it because I think that was my largest, loudest scream, that protective instinct mm. inside of me was saying, this is not okay. But I had to come to the point where I realized that the person was doing this to me is never going to accept that this was not okay and it wasn't my responsibility to make that happen it was my responsibility to 
handle how I deal with it. That was all I could change. And I think with forgiveness, the, the really important thing is that um, it can take years. Oh, yeah. It took me uh, it took me a very, very long time to get to the point where I was able to forgive uh, my stepdad. Mm. And I don't mean here justifying his actions. Yeah. Because I was able to justify his actions, you know, where I realized that he had his own issues, you know, yeah. mental health issues and addiction is yeah. an illness. And he had his own demons that he was fighting mm. with. I could justify that. But it took me very long time to get to the point where I was able to um, forgive him and mm. on some kind of deeper level within me to just let let him go. Yeah. And, you know, I and I think it's really important to kind of say that if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think it's all, you know, Don't it's, force all, it. yeah, it's all about compassion because mm. it will happen when the time is right. Yeah, self-compassion, definitely. Yeah. yeah, don't be too hard on yourself if you can't forgive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was, that was, for me, it reached that point where for my mental health, I had to get there. Yeah. You know, I was at that point. It was like forgiveness for me was the step I had to take to get rid of that anger that was holding me back. And, but with that forgiveness, they came, they, they, they kind of had, it had a consequence because with that forgiveness, I had to give up on any hope mm. that things would change because that hope was drawing me back into a circle, you know? And again, that protective instinct comes up and it's like, I need to protect myself by not hoping things will get better, even though people still say to me oh but it will change this little time she'll get old she'll reflect like okay maybe or maybe not maybe not I can't live my whole life waiting for that to happen I need to get on with my life without without would you know as bad as it is but with taking her out of the equation and getting on with my life yeah and, and it's difficult to get to that point because yeah. you know it doesn't matter what happened to you or what um, maybe some people have done. You know, there is there is always going to be this part of you, this child within you that will hope. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and I really had to get rid of that um, that that, that hope. Yeah. And you know, and to be honest, that was the only thing that helped me move forward yeah. was to stop hoping. Um, and also, I think with that stop hoping, it kind of became irrelevant to me yeah. because um, it's not even a part of my life that's important anymore. It's kind of a harsh thing to say, but it's not. <laughs> well, to be honest, it's not. It's something that, you know, you went through and there is no point of, um, there is no point to just keep thinking about it and keep talking about it yeah. because it's not, you know, it's a past it's the past, right? You, you focus on what's happening right now, and that's where you, you can find happiness, not exactly. in the past, not not in the future. And yeah. and I think it's more difficult to um, get to that point mm. when it comes to your family members. Mm. Um, you know, it was quite easy for me because um, I moved away from the person that was the abuser. Mm. And, um, you know, he died at some point. And 
he wasn't my father. I I've just basically I was able to just cut any ties with this person. Mm. And there was no one telling me, oh, but maybe he will change. Yeah. And and you know, and, and I think with family members is mm. more difficult because there is more judgment and there is more mm. expectations because, oh, it's your mother, it's your father, it's your sister mm. or brother. Oh, uh, you know, you can't just, um, you can't just uh, leave them. And, mm. and, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like if someone told me, so I don't have, I don't really speak with my dad. Um, but it's like, you know, if someone would tell me uh, in maybe 10 or 15 years that I have to go back to my hometown to look after my dad because he's my dad and he's ill. Even though we've not spoke for majority of my life, I would be just like, well, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's my dad. Mm. Yeah, and I and, get and you. you know, and it's more difficult, I think, with family members. It is. It, it becomes more complicated. Mm. Yeah, but it's really important to take the step to, you know. Mm for for your own healing yeah I think that talking about that people trying to convince you that was something I had to put a stop to in my life and put those walls like those boundaries up and be like no you don't know the whole story you can't you can't tell me these things you know this is what I decided to do this is my decision and I'm okay with it you need to be okay with it too <laughs> well you know they so, have nothing to you know to it's not their business basically yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I feel the same way but sometimes people feel like they're helping yeah. but they really not <laughs> yeah i mean i think like another thing when you were talking about justifying your stepdad's behavior i think that one of the worst things for me is when people would try to justify this person's behavior to me and it's like the thing is, like, on my my level, I, I understand it. I, I know where it's coming from. I know the mindset. So when other people try to justify it to me, it's as if they think that I I haven't thought about it enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's your life, it's your experiences to assume that someone doesn't didn't think about that and to defend the person who has been causing them harm. Yeah. It's really not a good thing to do. No, and I think, um, you know, that's kind of part of the journey as well, or the healing journey is to uh, recognize what, you know, who are the people that are helping you mm. and who are the people that aren't helping you oh, yeah. and cut them out. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you can't always cut them out, but I think for me it's like realizing who I can speak to about it yeah. and who I can't speak to about it. And just not bringing it up with the people I can't speak to about it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, whether you could them out actually, you know, you, you just stop speaking to them or whether you actually put up the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do 10 steps forward and then you'll have one conversation with someone <laughs> and then you'll, you'll, you'll go like 20 steps back. Oh, yeah. If, like for me, it just becomes this whole going taking me back to being misunderstood because it's kind of the environment I grew up in is I always felt misunderstood and then when when people do this to me it takes me back to okay I'm not being understood any again yeah and you kind of 
again, like you said, put those boundaries up with those people who are misunderstanding you. Because mm. it's not always, like, I think I've got to the point where I, I want to stop defending myself to other people. You know, this is how I feel. I don't need to defend it. Yeah, because we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave? But I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, I think I feel I feel like uh, what kind of what we both agreed on is or um, not maybe that we agreed on, but I think for me anyway, kind of going through growing up in uh, you know in experiencing the childhood trauma and then kind of recovering from it I think it doesn't matter what happened in the past Mm. what happens is what 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 are you doing right now and to focus on the on what's happened in on the now Mm. because that's where their life is happening it happened in the past and whatever will happen, we don't know. Mm. It's like this very strong uh, message. I'm not going to say which TV program is fun because it's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but they say you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I feel like that's such a powerful message because today everything can seem like the end of the world. Yeah. But tomorrow, you have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring for you. And exactly. there's always that, that things can always turn around. And I think they always are. They they always do turn around. Mm-hmm. Even I, if it's I not think, tomorrow, it yeah. would be in the future. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, you know, I I remember that, that there were there were points in my life where I literally I just sat on the floor crying because mm-hmm. I could not cope anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been there, and and I think we all go through those mm-hmm. times and situations. And I don't really know why I have all this hope and strength within me. Mm. But whatever happened, yeah. you know, it, it, it sounds cliche, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> and it's true. And it's true. I think you have this hope and strength inside you because you've seen things change. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always had that. I, even as a, I, even as a, you know, very like a teenager yeah. or, in, but I think we all have this strength inside yeah. of us. Same. I think I've had it too. And that was one of the things that was changed to a negative for me because my strength was seen as stubbornness, but my stubbornness was an unwillingness to yeah. accept what was happening to me yeah. and wanting to change things. And that was actually my strength. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can be stubborn too, but that's another to- topic. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for joining me today, Martha. I think there was so much I could actually relate to in everything that she said there. Um, I think we all have such vastly different experiences with childhood trauma. Um, I think we definitely don't want to try and normalize anyone's situation and we don't want to try to uh, invalidate how people say they are feeling with using comments like, oh, but that's normal. That's just a normal a mother-daughter thing or father-son thing. I think these are kind of expressions we might want to try and stay away from uh, when someone is opening up about their own traumatic experiences. Um, we should we should try to be a bit more mindful on how we respond to them. 
Next time on Refreshingly Human, we will be doing a piece on Christmas, who celebrates it, who doesn't, and how is it celebrated. If you'd like to contribute a unique story, please do reach out.、Um, if you had、uh, related to anything in today's episode, please do reach out as well. So until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. You can find a link to our website in the show notes, where you can like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss out to upcoming episodes. Until next time, be kind to yourself. We are all human, after all. <laughs>